Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig with details. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Julie Douglas. And today we're talking about Tidal Lock, which, as we were discussing earlier, sounds like it would have been like an awesome Lady Surfers in Prison movie from like mid-90s cinema. Yeah, like Tidal yeah. Lockdown. Yeah, Tidal Lockdown. They were rebels on the board, and they paid dearly beneath the sea. Something like that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, I like the idea to mention that it's an underwater prison. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. That's why it's so difficult to break out of. But no, we are not talking about that wonderful film idea. No. What we are uh, instead talking about tidal locking in terms of the way our planets and the way our moons gravitate around other objects. Yeah. And uh, how it actually affects the, the planets um, and the stars and the moons. And if you think about the moon and the Earth, mm-hmm. for instance... Uh, the moon is tidally locked to the Earth. We look into the night sky, and we always see the same side of the moon. The what, same face the of the moon. The same face of the moon. And the moon's backside is always facing away from us. Uh, the dark side of the moon, if you will, even though it's not technically dark all the time because uh, it gets sunlight as well. It's just mm-hmm. we never see it. It's, it's tidally locked to us, not to the sun. If we were tidally locked to the sun... Uh, if, if an object were tidally locked to the sun, it would be a different scenario where only one side of the planet would receive uh, sunlight and the other side would be cast in perpetual darkness. Yeah. But for us, this is a very stable arrangement, right? Right. Uh, us having the, the moon tidally locked to us and the man of the moon just being the, that same face that we see every night. 
and presumably his his hindquarters on the other side. Yeah, the moon, of course, is rotating. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's important to know. It's not that the moon is motionless up there, but it completes one rotation about its axis in the same time it takes to complete one orbit around the Earth. Right. So it's it's just lined up perfectly. It's uh, there's a synchronicity. Yeah. In, in the way these uh, these worlds are moving. And meanwhile, we're just, you know, turning around on our axis going, hey, sun, and, and getting day and night, right? Right. And the tidal intercept, because the, the synchronization uh, is caused by strong tidal forces from the Earth that effectively lock the moon's orientation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's really interesting to, to note that it wasn't always like this. The rotation has sort of set in over time, which I think is pretty fascinating. That's right. The gravitational pull has, has changed the rate of, uh, the speed, I should say, mm-hmm. of our... Uh, Rotation, but this has happened over millions and millions and millions, millions of, years, of years. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there are, of course, other moons that have a similar situation going on. You see it a lot with moons. If we look all the way to the edge of our solar system, to the planetoid Pluto, you'll find that it has a little moon called uh, Charon, uh, or Charon, mm-hmm. however you want to say it. My uh, Dante teacher always said Charon. Uh, well, yeah. Italian. Yeah, Saldi Maria. If anyone uh, anyone attends the University of Tennessee, Knoxville, and wants a good Italian Dante teacher. Uh, check up uh, old Sal. That's right. Say ciao. But anyway, uh, so Sharon's orbit around Pluto takes 6.4 Earth days, and one Pluto rotation uh, takes 6.4 Earth days. What's interesting here is that Sharon neither rises nor sets, but basically hovers over the same spot on Pluto's surface all the time. So it's like a, a really extreme example of tidal locking. Yeah. And this, again, happens with moons, but it also is very common that it happens with stars as well, red dwarf stars, mm. most commonly. Uh, so a planet gets locked into, or, or rather, I should say, yes, the planet gets locked into the, the star's orientation. Mm-hmm. And that changes everything for the planet, right? Because if you are just facing one side of the sun, uh, you would never experience day and night like we do. One side would constantly be in darkness, while the other side would constantly be in light. There are various old folk tales where like, uh, there'll be like a maiden who's tasked with a job, like she has to... Before the sun comes up, she has to finish knitting a scarf. Or, or generally, it's something a little more complex, like draining an entire pond with a straw or a spoon or something. That sounds just like those old folk tales are. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's always some ridiculous task. And then uh, like a good fairy or something will come along and turn back the clock. In real life, there would be just catastrophic uh, consequences mm-hmm. because uh, the, the cycle of night and day is vital to the way our weather works, the way that the Earth, as we experience it, works. I mean, you have one side, uh, you have daylight regions heating up, you have night regions cooling down, mm-hmm. you have airflow moving back and forth. I mean, it's all part of the, the system. There's an article on House of Works called How Weather Works that uh, I happen to write, but it does a good job of, of taking uh, some of the very simple elements of night and day and uh, using that as a starting point for understanding how global weather operates. Well, and also uh, how it affects every living organism, right? Yeah. And we take that for granted sometimes because, of course, the sun rises and the sun sets, um, and we, we live and die by this configuration. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, there, there are obviously uh, other configurations going on in the universe, and the question is, what does this look like? And if you did have this sort of configuration where it was only day, only night on one half um, of the planet... Would there be opportunities for life? Would organisms have uh, a habitable area? Hmm. And so that's what we're going to talk about a little bit more in depth. Um, you know, what, what what does the weather look like? Yeah. You know? My mind immediately turned to science fiction, so I, um, I was looking up to, to see what other examples I could think of that were sci-fi related. If anyone out there knows of a good example of a tidally locked world, 
in science fiction where they actually explore weather and, and some of the more uh, realistic effects, I would love to hear about them because the main examples that come to my mind are things like uh, – there's the 1912 novel, The Nightland, by William Hope Hodgson, which I'm pretty sure I've mentioned here before. This is the um, early post-apocalyptic book that is so filled with just fantastic, wonderful, dark ideas, but is written so tiresomely that <laughs> and so badly that it's you're just constantly sifting for these nuggets of gold amid just utter crap. It has its lovers, and I and I have kind of I have a very much a love hate relationship with this book. But uh, it takes place in a world where the sun is burned out and the remnants of humanity retreat into these massive geothermal powered uh, pyramids, and they grow crop crops in subterranean chambers, and they they're telepaths and they're spinning disc weapons. Uh, all, you know, monsters uh, out in the dark and all. But what's really cool about it is that um, Hodgson's fiction was based on Lord Kelvin's theories of the way uh, gravity works. So the Nightland in the scenario, this whole planet is a world, again, where the sun has grown, grown dark and tidal drag has slowed the Earth's rotation to a crawl. Uh, he depicts this world as one where you have an entire just frozen night side of the world mm-hmm. and then this uh, dying side of the world that's facing a sun that's fading out. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Rob, as the uh, the local host with allergies here, they sent you some of their nasal spray to treat your allergies. What was your experience like? Yeah, that's right. I always wrestle with the pollen a bit when it rolls in during the spring. So they sent me the little uh, nasal spray. I tried out the product and yeah, it sure did help me get on top of my symptoms for the day. And it's so fast acting, uh, it was already kicking in before I left the house. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription-strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can get Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed a 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices... Well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Another example that comes to mind is Jack of Shadows by Roger Zelazny. This is a pretty fabulous little novel um, that has a it has a lot of magic in it. So it's not really, you know, like I say, he's not really concerned with weather patterns. But there's a side of that it's a tidally locked world. Mm-hmm. There's a night world, and then there's a day world. The day world is ruled by science and technology, and the night world is ruled by magic. And you have a character who is from the the night world, and every time he dies uh, in the daylight world, he's re- he's reborn on the far side in the, in the uh, realm of dreams in the realm of dreams yeah hmm. uh and then and of course the, we have to look at star trek there are a few different planets that pop up there but the most notable seems to be the planet remus which is the third of four planets in the romulan system and you have a situation here where it's basically a mining world mm-hmm. and you have a race of individuals called the remans uh, it's playing on the whole remus and romulus you know, right that. the remans are either a separate species that evolve on the dark side of the planet, or they're sort of like uh, the early Romulan setters who mm-hmm. d- devol- or evolved into a, a nighttime species. So they look like kind of big bat creatures. They've evolved to live on this dark portion of this tidally locked world. Well, see, and that's what that's why our imagination can't help but go wild with this, because when you start to think about um, tidally locked worlds, you start to think about you know some sort of organism that may... Yeah, I'm not saying that there there are bad people, um, but but obviously there are adaptations that nature makes, right? And so you start to wonder what that would look like. But before you can even start to look at that, you have to really start to think about what uh, this planet would feel like, um, what sort of weather systems. Um, obviously, there would be no seasons, right? Right. Um, the only change in the amount of sunlight would come from the slight variation in distance from the sun because of the like, for instance, if if Earth were to become locked to the sun. Um, because of the Earth's orbit being slightly out of round. So if that were to happen with the Earth, then you'd have slight variations. There might be different climate depending on how far away you are from the center of the side that always faces the sun. Um, on the equator of the sun-facing side, you'd have like these incredibly high temperatures. And in the center of land masses that are facing the sun, you'd have hot as Hades deserts, right? Mm-hmm. And then by the coast, okay, 
there would be an incredible amount of thunderstorms because of the rapid ev- evaporation of water. Right. So, yes, there, water could exist in some of these scenarios. And there have been tons of computer models that have told us there's an opportunity for uh, atmosphere to die off to completely evaporate, right? Or it could sustain itself in this continuous cycle where if you have thunderstorms depositing uh, weather systems of rain over to the dark side, I love to think of this dark side as sort of a snow globe effect. Yeah. You know, that, that, that's constantly, you know, snowing over there or raining over there. And, uh, and then again, the cycle just continues on. Yeah. And then, like you say, there are other uh, models of it that show there being very little precipitation mm-hmm. on the night side because you end up with the substantial precipitation at the, uh, what is called the subsolar point. The, yeah. The point where the, the sun is baking <laughs> the, the earth the most, though, like the dead on sun zone. And then you have net evaporation, and so you have all the uh, the atmospheric water is transported from the night side to the day side. You eventually have oceans just freezing on the other side of the world. Right. And so it takes a little time because you also there also those oceans are growing saltier due to the evaporation, and there you know it's still a, a system of water that's very much in flow, so it takes longer for it to. Uh, to freeze up. Yeah, and so you'd have all these different circles of climates, basically. It wouldn't just be like, oh, this one half of, of uh, you know, an earth that had become locked to the sun was completely hot, boiling, mm-hmm. and the other half was frozen zero. I mean, there would be variations in between, and that's the really exciting thing about whether or not um, there would be habitable zones that could support life. Right, and this is very much a question when we're looking at these exoplanets, uh, mm-hmm. because we're catching these planets in the, in the habitable zone. But there's a little, uh, there's a certain amount of uh, crossover between habitable zone planets and potentially tidally locked planets. Yeah, especially when it comes to M stars, which are stars that are slightly bigger than the uh, the one that we call Sun. It would be one of those situations where you'd be like, all right, the planet's in the right spot. It's in that Goldilocks zone mm-hmm. where it would, it's just the right size where it could conceivably have life. Oh, but it's not rotating. So it's kind of like the the house looks great, but there's no power. You know, it's uh, right. there's something drastically wrong here. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to get back to all this. Uh, so hang in there one second. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. 
Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. All right, we're back. Now, astrobiologists uh, think there, there might be some situations, too, where you would have a certain amount of what's called substellar weathering instability occurring, mm-hmm. where basically you have higher temperatures that are resulting in stronger rainfall, and those, the rainfall is weathering away the soil, exposing more and more minerals, which then react with the chemicals in the air. Right. And to a certain extent, that could be counteracted by volcanic activity mm-hmm. on the planet. So there might be a situation where a tidally locked world would be balanced out a bit and you would have this habitable zone on the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, generally, uh, uh, it would be that, that ring that sort of exists as a borderland between the nightland and the, and the dayland. Right, which is that that's the part that I just get so excited about because I think, well, there's, <laughs> <laughs> there's the opportunity for, for life existing. And I, it kind of made me think about when we were talking about stardust though about how difficult it is to build up life on a planet and you mm-hmm. just have you have to have the absolute right conditions right and the right building blocks so i mean you know remember that life evolved on earth for 2 billion years before it began to produce and use oxygen for instance and organisms used photosynthesis which used carbon dioxide and all those little guys produced little puffs of oxygen and over millions and millions of years created more and more oxygen in, in what is now our atmosphere, right? right? So, you know, we talk about this and we say there could be habitable zones, but again, all these elements have to be just right. Yeah, and the only model for life that we have uh, is very much um, a rotating planet. It's, it is not tidally locked, so it, right. it becomes even more difficult to try and imagine how that process might take place on a world uh, where you have just a, a, a night world, a day world, and then this potentially uh, habitable twilight zone. Uh, ringing around the right, the right, yeah. and you'd have to have an atmosphere, right? Yeah, yeah. so that's that's the the first thing. Um, again, though, there there's this opportunity to have atmosphere, as you said. If you've got enough going on day and night side, mm-hmm. 
that they sort of converged to have these habitable zones that could support, um, you know, an atmosphere and keep it in. Yeah, and the, what's interesting too, there are some models for uh, tidally locked worlds where it's not it's not like a perfect tidal lock mm-hmm. where there'll be the two rotations don't completely line up, so there'll be like a little bit of uh, wiggle room there. Yeah. So you could potentially have a world where there would be regions that would sort of have a little night and day going on in that uh, habitable ring. Well, and I, a lot of people have thought about this, particularly in terms of Earth, like what if Earth became tidally yes. locked mm-hmm. to the sun? Because Mercury, it's thought, was once tidally locked. Um, radar observations of Mercury reveal that the planet rotates three times on its axis for every two orbits. Yeah, early on we actually thought it was tidally locked up yeah, until, I yeah. think, 1965. Yeah. The thing is, because of the planet's tiny size and the proximity to the sun, it makes it a really good candidate for being tidally locked. Right. So here's the thing, though. They think that this this weird sort of rotation system that it has going on is the result of a giant impact from an asteroid. Yeah. That knocked Mercury, once it was tidally locked, um, into what is now sort of an odd rotation configuration. Yeah, it's got a massive uh, hole in it called Rembrandt Crater, which is mm-hmm. about a 715 kilometers wide, which is pretty substantial for a planet that's under uh, 5,000 kilometers in size. Yeah, and they say the asteroid would have been about 43 miles wide and about 550 trillion metric tons in mass. Yeah. So can you imagine this object hurling into Mercury, a tidally locked world, and and actually changing, <laughs> not yeah. just the spin, but the but it even uh, being locked. Yeah, there there's a theory that this planet-sized impact may have also had an effect on the density of the planet because it's, mm-hmm. a, it's an extremely dense world, and there are a number of theories as to why that may be. Uh, but and one of them is that this enormous impact may have knocked it round. Here's here's what I want to get to is the the what ifs, right? Yeah. And I immediately start thinking, okay, you've got this uh, perpetual night, mm-hmm. and my mind goes to cave fish. Yes. Because cavefish are a great example of something that has adapted to its environment. Cavefish are indigenous to Somalia, and they have been cut off from the sun for up to 2.6 million years. And they lived in dark caves under the Somalian desert for millions of years. Um, and, and then they had lost their eyes and scales and their coloring. And now researchers think that they're they're actually losing their their uh, internal body clocks. What is um, fascinating about that is that it's taken that long mm-hmm. for their internal clocks to kind of get off a bit. Wow! So that's the pace at which these changes occur, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the, obviously their, their physical changes occurred, you know, much faster than that. So if you can imagine humans, if this were to happen to Earth, right, for some reason, uh, you know, our eyes kind of scaling over with skin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, our pigment changing, but still even 2.6 million years after the event, having some sort of uh, pull toward this, you know, diurnal world. Yeah. Even though you're in pe- perpetual darkness. Because our entire evolutionary history hinges on it. Exactly. Even if we ended up becoming some sort of Morlock or, or like the creatures in the descent, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, if you were sun deprived, can you, can you imagine the sort of traditions and metaphors that would arise in language? If you hmm. if you are sun starved and still dependent on it, and yet you had adapted in some ways, yeah. Of course, there would be a lot of questions as to how you were obtaining food, and it could, mm-hmm. because as we've explored the the situation on the the dark side of the world would be pretty grim. I mean, there's no there's no light, so photosynthesis is coming to a close. Right. Um, you have freezing temperatures. You have moisture being drawn to the other side of the world. 
So uh, it's it's hard to imagine what life would consist of in that situation, unless you you did have a scenario where, where individuals were somehow technologically sustained, or if there was some sort of trade situation with the with the daylit world. But uh, but things are going to be pretty severe there too. So I guess it would be more like you would have to have some sort of trade scenario with the twilight world. Like that's the that's the area where civilization is going to thrive more because you're right, going to have the right. baked side and the frozen side. And only in the middle are things going to be just right. Right. And, of course, we're talking about, you know, if, if this were to occur on the Earth, this is not something that would happen, like, the next day. This like, would, this we're, would we're talking a, about millions and millions of years. This would take a good three weeks to, to yeah, 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 right. But, you know, I mean, you'd have life forms that could not subsist on the, on the sunlit side and vice yeah. versa. Well, you've seen how, what happens to, say, like, the neighborhoods in Atlanta when uh, when there's a severe snowstorm, like, two weeks, and it's full-on cannibalism and road warriors <laughs> in the street. <laughs> Yeah, Atlanta would not fare well yeah. with this situation at all. But the heat side, constant sun, we could we could probably roll with that. Pretty much what we do in the summer anyway. Yeah, you're right. Right. That, I mean, actually, like eight months out of the year. Yeah. Yeah. So you hear us, Florida. Yeah. You hear us, Alabama. All right. So uh, tell us what you think about all that. Uh, do you have any thoughts on a uh, tidally locked world? Do you have some other great examples from science fiction that you would like to or fantasy you would like to share with us? There's a, I mean, there's a whole wonderful um, subgenre of fantasy sci-fi with the, with the dying Earth scenario where you have the, the sun dying. And uh, I think I did a blog post about that a, a while back. It's a, it's a fascinating zone of imagination. But I have not encountered much in the way of tidally locked world. So uh, send me some examples. I would especially Again, love to hear examples that uh, take weather into account. Yeah, especially if, if you've ever come across uh, some sort of idea of an exoplanet with half of the planet being a snow globe. Yeah. That's that's uh, that's all I'm interested in, really. Yeah. The snow globe part of it. Snow globe world. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, if you want to share it with us, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. On Facebook, we are Stuff to Blow the Mind. And on Twitter, our Twitter handle is Blow the Mind. And feel free to drop us a line at blowthemind at discovery.com. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join House of Work staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon, just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. 
plus at these prices? You're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.